So I'm going to begin in the book of Acts chapter 5, if you want to turn there, you can. Before I get into my message, before uh, we start this morning, just so you know where some of your seed that you're sowing into home church is going. So as you all well know, we're partnering with Home Church in Scotland, and they are doing a building fund right now because they're getting ready to move into their new campus in Glasgow. And so they need to raise 5,000 pounds, and we as a church, we donated 750 pounds to Scotland last week, and they're very appreciative of that. So if you all would do me a favor and, and please just keep them up in prayer because this has been a very trying time for Pastor Dave and for his congregation. And so if you, if you think of him, please pray for them. So I've been doing some thinking this morning actually and some praying about my message this morning because right up to the time I'm getting ready to open my mouth, I believe God is always directing me and wanting to make sure that what comes out of my mouth is what you all need to hear this morning. So as I'm reflecting on this year, 2022, and where we started, if you remember the very first service we did was about Jesus coming back because we were wrapping up Advent. And so we were celebrating uh, before Christmas, through Christmas, right up to the first Sunday of January, the fact that Jesus came to this earth as, as the Messiah, as the Lord, Lord and Savior. Of, of our lives and we were celebrating his birth but then we also need to understand that he's going to also come back and this time he's not going to come back as a little baby he's coming back as our warrior king and so as i'm thinking about it so we started out this first sunday of this year talking about him coming back him returning and then we got into this series called extraordinary things and right through us God is going to do extraordinary things, but we need to have the extraordinary mind. We need to have extraordinary faith. We need to have, uh, take extraordinary steps in our life and follow in Jesus. We also need to understand that we as believers have an extraordinary re responsibility. And then we start this series about how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things and hello, ordinary people. That's all of us. That includes me, it includes the worship team, it includes you. We're all ordinary people that God has chosen to do extraordinary things through. And so we talked about Ananias the first week, right? And how Ananias was just simply a disciple. Where's my disciples? Here we are, Jesus' disciples, right? Here we are. So Ananias, just being a disciple, realized that the only way that he was going to do anything extraordinary for God is that it had to come from God directly. That he understood that he couldn't do it but God in him and through him could. And then last week we talked about Rahab and how Rahab the prostitute, right? What's awesome is that God chose to use her as well. And that we learned that if we would simply decrease as Jesus increases in our life, then God's mercy increases in our life as well. So this leads me to Stephen the next ordinary person that we're gonna talk about today. The ordinary person who, as we know, has about a chapter and a half in the book of Acts dedicated to him. So really probably not so ordinary. 
but I want to bring him down to our level. I want you to see how God used him in an extraordinary way. So with that, let's get into it. Beginning in Acts chapter 5, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me or on your devices. You can go to the Bible app. We're in the ESV translation. And this is what Luke writes. He says, now many signs and wonders were already or regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. This is so important. Many signs and wonders were done at the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. That is what we want today from the church, amen? Multitudes of men and women are being added to Jesus every day so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So here's Peter. He's this extraordinary guy, right? We put Peter up on a pedestal, almost like, like the fourth Godhead, right? Member of the Godhead. Peter, this rock star who ultimately really, as we have learned, is just like you and me. Really no different, but somehow we've made him extraordinary to the point where his shadow, if his shadow would just fall on these people that were being laid out before him, that they would be healed. So the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Not some of them, not just a few of them, but all of them were healed. Peter, we're not trying to glorify Peter. We're not trying to glorify Ananias or Rahab or this morning Stephen. What we're glorifying is what came out of Peter. His shadow represents something powerful that came out of him. That you, my brothers and sisters, are no different if you're in Christ and if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. What came out of him is what we need to be full of. Say this with me. I am full. You are. You are full. And when we're full, what comes out of us is going to impact those people around us, just like Peter's shadow. And this is the day and age where we need to wake up. We need to realize the responsibility that I've talked about. We need to realize that the mercy and the grace that's upon us from God, it's time for it to come out. And as I've said before, every one of you has a ministry. Mine just happens to be on this scale to where I'm preaching to you about 150 people that's sitting in this room and probably 40 to 50 that are joining us online. You also have a ministry one-on-one, wherever it is that God has placed you. And it's time, my friends, for your shadow to be cast upon them. But it's not you that's coming out of you. It is Jesus. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that he paid a tremendous price to make sure that we have. So with that, I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you so much for everybody that's in this room. I thank you for those that are watching online this morning. I thank you so much for what you have given us, not just salvation through Jesus, but also his power, his anointing 
that works through us to do extraordinary things. Father, I just thank you that the words that come out of my mouth today, let them be the words that you want me to speak. And I pray for hearts to be open and ears to hear, to receive what it is that you are saying this morning, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I'm full. I'm going to be a little transparent with you this morning, if that's okay. You know, what I want so badly is you all to understand that I'm just ordinary human being, just like you guys are. And, and we've, we've talked about that off and on over the last few months, I guess. <laughs> I've had some experiences this year that, that I want to share just briefly to kind of give you an idea of what it means to be full. And I'm not, listen, I am not up here touting myself and like patting myself on the back because what I'm going to say, it, it might open your eyes a little bit as to how I'm feeling. Maybe some of you are feeling this way as well. But I know as believers, if you are a believer in this room, and if you're not, I pray, and I pray to God that you do become a believer today in Jesus because he's the only way, the truth, and the life. But if you are a believer today, this might resonate with you just a little bit. So as we all do, as we get closer to, to the new year, we tend to make resolutions, and mine, mine was, was more spiritual for me personally um, that I had to make starting out with this year. I realized as going into year two as being a pastor of a church, you know, I, I need more of Jesus. And what, what, what was happening in me was I could see this after almost eight years, it'll be eight years in ministry, full-time ministry for me um, starting this year, is that the more of the stress and the pressures that are coming on on me and on my family, I realized that Jesus was more my job than a relationship. And I had to make some adjustments. And God was banging on me. Like, man, got to make some adjustments because what's more important than anything is your personal relationship with my son. So I made some adjustments. And then as soon as I made those adjustments, I noticed some change was coming over me that I haven't felt in a long time. And, and it has really changed my life. That's what God does, is he changes your life. So this idea of being full, you know, I'm gonna read through some things here this morning where the Bible repeats it repetitively that, that they were full. And, and I wrestle with that. What does that mean? And so God brought my attention to what's been going on in my life recently and, and what it means to be full. So I'm sharing these things with you because I want you to see what I believe is what you wrestle with every day as well. If you're full, what needs to happen is it needs to come out of you. So one thing recently to happen, I, I picked up some food for an event we were doing here at the church and I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want to call this person out. But eventually, essentially what happened was as we were picking up the food, um, the lady who was the manager of this place told me that um, she needed to help me because there was no, they didn't have any bags because of the COVID shortage. You know, there's no bags. And it's like, why, why do we have a shortage with COVID? I'm just, oh, I, I'm just, I'm done with it. But so she didn't have bags, and so she was helping me carry these things out. And here's, here's the awesome thing. The COVID shortage was leading me to a divine appointment. Yeah. 
because she was carrying the food out with me to my car. And so I asked her, I was like, you sure you want to do this? I can get my wife to come in and help me. You don't have to carry the food out. She goes, no, 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 that's okay. Believe me, I've been stressed out to the max. I've been in that building for 12 hours. It's the first time I've seen the light of day. I'm more than happy to carry the food out to your car. And so we're loading up the car, and I could just feel the Holy Spirit just pinging my heart. So we load up the food. She left and I got in the car. The point being is that when we're full of Jesus, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, he will give you those opportunities. You will recognize them. Then the decision becomes, what are you going to do with that? And, and listen, I, I know I'm getting, I'm, I don't even follow my notes right now, but that's okay. This is so crucial for us to understand that these subtle things sometimes become big divine appointments. What are you going to do with it? Because if you haven't noticed, the world is changing dramatically. He's coming back soon. And listen, I have to be careful because I want you to think I'm, I'm crazy or anything. Like, he's coming today. And that's not what I'm saying. Because no man knows the hour or day he's going to return. But we can read the signs that Jesus told us about. And we're getting there. And if he's pinging on me and saying, wake up, Jeff, the same, I believe, goes for you. So the other week, two weeks ago, I'm sitting in my office and and I'm focusing on trying to get my message done for that Sunday. and, And all of a sudden, I had this desire rise up in me that I needed to call uh, somebody who used to be very close to me was my, my best friend at, at one point. We grew up together. We were brothers, went in the army together, all that stuff. Um, thinks I'm crazy because I'm a believer, whatever. But he came to my heart, and I don't think of him very often, believe it or not. And so I'm like, why is he coming to my heart? I had this sudden urge I needed to reach out to him. And I didn't. I didn't. So a week later, I get a phone call from him. And he told me my mom just passed away. And she was somebody who used to be very close to me as well. What if I called him when I had that that inclination to that the Holy Spirit, I believe, gave me? It's these things that I'm starting to notice because, not because of me, but I've made a heart adjustment in my life that I don't want Jesus just to be my job. I want to be closer to him. Because when I am, then all of a sudden I become full of him. Now, I'm at this place where it's decision time. What are you going to do with it? And see, Stephen, Stephen is going to exemplify what I believe I'm going through. And believe me, I'm not trying to compare myself to Stephen. But if you haven't gotten the gist of my, my series we are supposed to relate to all these people. Ananias, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus, so I'm like Ananias, and I'm realizing that I can't do it, but God can. Oh, hello, I'm also a sinner saved by grace, so I'm like Rahab, who God still has mercy on and will use powerfully for his kingdom. Well, today I'm also telling you that we're all like Stephen. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. 
We're going to get into this. Say this with me. I'm full. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. These days. What are these days? These are, these are the days that we, we should be living in now as the church. If you go back to Acts chapter 5, verse 42, I'll read this to you. This is what these days are. In verse 42, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and pre- preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So that's those days. The, those are the days that we should be living now. Where you live in neighborhoods, probably most of you, if you don't, you live in an apartment. You live in some place where you do have neighbors where you can literally go, if you wanted to, house to house, and be Jesus to those people around you. Those are the days that they live in. Those are the days that we live in today. It's all about what are we going to do with it. So what's going on? Well, God is moving. And when God is moving, there's always something that comes up to try to obstruct that move. So what we have here is when you see that a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, what you're seeing here is there's conflict within the church. And I'm not going to get into what, who these people are, but basically there, there's, there's this accusation that one group is neglecting us and we're not getting enough attention. And let me tell you something, in the church... I hear that a lot. Hey, we should be doing this in the church. No, we should be doing that. No, we should be doing this. No, we should be doing that. I, I want this to happen. No, I want that to happen. And, and see, we're human, so we're going to have complaints, right, that try to, to distract from the overall purpose of what God has placed us on this earth, and that is to be Jesus, be the light to those people that are outside these walls and to one another. So when God is moving, sometimes what you see, most of the times what you see, what you see consistently in the Bible is there's always something that comes up to try to get us off track. Verse 2, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. I love this. Because here we go, the whole thing, the whole premise of my series, right, is that we're all ordinary people, but somehow the Bible goes ahead and separates. So the 12, these are the 11 that walked with Jesus, minus Judas and Matthias, who was chosen through a casting of lots. Here's the 12 apostles. Okay, these are like on a pedestal big time. Bible separates them. But then the Bible also brings into the fold the full number of the disciples, us little people. Not really. They're all the same because they're being used by God in powerful ways. And what the 12 is saying is that it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Basically what they're saying here is we need help. We need some people to hold up our arms. We need some people in the church that are disciples of Jesus to come alongside us and help us so that we can continue the mission and move forward. And so I'm just going to say this as a shameless plug. Thank you for every one of you that are serving in home church. Thank you. 
Your job is just as important as mine. Whether you're back there changing diapers, or you're up here preaching the word, or you're like Elizabeth, who is faithfully back there, putting up the verses on this screen, just as important. We're all ordinary. We're all in this thing together. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you're not serving in home church, please get involved. We need you. We need you. If we're going to get out there and continue to do the mission, to do the work that God has given us to do, we need every one of you to be a part of what's going on here. Chapter 6, verse 3, continuing on. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Wow, I love that, because last week we talked about a woman who was in a house of ill repute. So these men were seven men that were of good repute. Why were they good repute? Because they were full. Full of what? Full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Why and how did they know that they were full of wisdom and full of the Spirit? Because they were involved with what was going on. What was in their heart was coming out of them. What was in them was being shown to those around them. But we, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Just as important, these were the magnificent seven, as I'd like to call them. Because we're going to take out two, and we're going to go on, and you'll see in the Bible how there's two of them, Stephen and Philip, that were specifically called out by Luke because they did some extraordinary things. But today we're just going to focus on Stephen. Say with me, I'm full. Verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. I love this, okay? If you mind if I digress this a little bit more, I would love to be able to say I have pleased the entire gathering. (laughs) But in here, the Bible says that the 12, when they chose these seven men to help them and to serve the tables, to take care of this dispute between the Hellenists and the Hebrews, okay, it says that the whole gathering was pleased. That's a miracle in itself. Wow. I love that. So they chose Stephen. So they call out Stephen right here. A man who's full. Full of what? Full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip. And I'm going to try to pronounce these names. And Prochorus. And Nicanor. And Timon. And Parmenas. And Nicholas. A proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Here's what I would say, the first ordination. They were ordained. They were publicly shown that we, the twelve, approve of these men to do the work of the ministry. Well, the good news is that you all are approved. If you're in Christ, you're approved. You don't have to be brought up here in front of everybody and we lay hands on you. Now, if you're going to join the ministry full-time and God has called you into a specific office, yeah. But we're all called. We're all ministers of the gospel. Every one of you that's in here have been approved because you're in Christ. Verse 7. And the word of God continued to do what? Increase. 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The reason why the church was increasing was because the people went out. They continued to go out and preach the gospel while the seven served the tables. And because of that, the fullness was coming out of them and people were multiplying. The church was multiplying. God is interested in multiplication. And I can't say that enough. He is interested in the numbers. I've got numbers from last year I haven't shared with you yet. I don't know why. I guess I just haven't felt led to. But he's interested in the church multiplying and growing. We've had a number of salvations last year. We had a lot of people filled with the Holy Spirit last year. We had a lot of people baptized last year. God is moving. And, and, and he's interested in the church multiplying. And sometimes it's very, very subtle. Now, I'm going to call some people out. and Forgive me, I didn't check with you first before mentioning your name. But we have a family in this room, the McDaniel family. And Roseanne, just last week, prayed with her little boy, Nicholas, to receive Jesus. So, yes, we give glory to God for that. I also have another family, uh, fairly young, um, the Udovenkos. I don't think they're here today. I don't see them. But I'm calling them out for a reason, because little Zoe goes to school with her Bible and tells her friends about Jesus. So, yeah, the youth that are sitting here, okay, I know some of their stories. There's one, and I will not call her name out specifically, but there's one who invites her friends to church all the time, and they have shunned her for it. She sits by herself at a table for lunch sometimes because of it. God is moving through all of us. We are all full. It's a matter of whether or not it's coming out. Because God is interested in his kingdom growing. And we have to understand that. Going on into verse 8. And Stephen. So now, now we're getting to a point now where Stephen is taking center stage. This ordinary man. Stephen is full of grace and power. Was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was full of grace and power. He was actually doing something with that grace and power. And oh, by the way, he was among the people. Every one of us in here are among people when we leave this building. That is your ministry field. That is where we have that responsibility to show people Jesus. It's a matter of, are you going to do something with it? And it's a matter of, are you going to be among the people? Among the people is a phrase that it's not just like they were hanging out. They were actively displaying Jesus to them. Verse 9. Here, here comes. So, a little quiz to see if you're paying attention. When God is moving, what happens? Opposition. I heard it. Opposition. Verse 9, then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. Talking it over uh, with Jeff Jackson, our resident Bible scholar, this is basically Stephen 
going to his people, people that he came out of, people that he knows. And sometimes that's the first place we probably need to go. So if you're like looking at me and saying, well, where can God use me? How can I impact people? How can I uh, let my shadow cast on them, if you will? Well, usually, once you start with your own house, once you start with the people that you know, people at work, people at school, that's a good place to start. And that's what he did. This is what happened. But they could not withstand the wisdom in the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men and said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. See, sometimes... And this is the reason why I believe that sometimes we're hesitant to let him come out of us. It's because we're afraid that they're going to reject us. And see, with Stephen, that's not the case. He took the risk. He rolled the dice. Really, ultimately, he was led by the Holy Spirit. He still opened his mouth. And the opposition came. And they bore false witness against him. Oh, just like Jesus. We have to understand the idea that we're going to lose our life to save it. We're going to lose our life to save others. We have to understand that because this is not, this is not fun and games. This is serious. The moment you open your mouth as you're among people and you're letting the Holy Spirit come out of you and you're letting God work through you to do extraordinary things, that moment that moment is when opposition is going to come against you, just like it did Jesus. It's going to happen. And if you have never experienced persecution before, like some of our youth have, then let me tell you, it's not fun. It's not meant to be, because we are meant to lose our life. And that's what Stephen did, going to his own people to give the good news of the gospel. And now they are dragging him before a council to say, this man is saying something false. It was coming out of him. But sometimes when, we, when it comes out of us, there will be opposition. But then there's this one in a million times where somebody comes to know Jesus because you open your mouth. There's that maybe two in a million times where you bring them here to church and they hear the word, which we're going to talk about in my next series, and they are saved, where it makes all this persecution, this opposition, trials, things coming at you, worth it. I wouldn't be up here still if I didn't think it was worth it. Verse 15, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Just like Peter's shadow, they could see it. Like, is your light on, church? Can they see it? 
For Peter, it was a shadow. For Stephen, his face was like an angel. You know, I, I didn't even have this on my notes, but I went back and looked in Ezekiel, description of angels that's around Jesus, that's around the throne. The most beautiful things you'll ever see as far as the description of what I could tell from Ezekiel. They were seeing God's glory, God's presence, that the angels are, are in every stinking day. They're seeing that on Stephen. And instead of drawing them closer, drawing them to Jesus, it was, it was pushing them away because his witness was so powerful. Acts chapter 7, verse 1. So as they're witnessing this and they're seeing him in his face like an angel, the high priest, this is the priest of the Sadducees, the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. If your friends look at you and say, I see that you're following Jesus. I can see that. Is that really true? Are you going to speak up? People at work that you work with, they look at you and they say, this is how they say it. They're not going to say your face looks like an angel. No. They're going to say there's something different about you. Yep. Let me tell you why. These things are these things so yeah, let me tell you. Man, if you cannot be confident in answering that question, you need to go back to the day when you met Jesus. Because out of that testimony, you can confidently say, yeah. Let me tell you where I was. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you where I am today. And, and if you're like me, and what I'm going to say to you all, I'm not where I want to be today. But by God's mercy and grace, I will be. Because we're, we're a work in progress. And what I want is I want people to see that work being progressed in us. So that they ask the question, what is different about you? So we have the opportunity to open our mouth. So how do we do that? So I started to think about Stephen's situation. And I'm not going to take you through all of what he said because we'll be in here long past the time you want to be, trust me. But in First, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, this is what Peter wrote. He says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always, being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, do it with fire and brimstone preaching. Do it with condemnation and judgment. Do it with yelling and screaming and getting all red-faced. No, he says here, with gentleness and respect. Stephen's saying, brothers and fathers, hear me. He's doing it with gentleness and respect. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 through 20, this is Jesus. This is what he says about what we should be. He says, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's not sending us to people that want to hear the gospel. He's not sending us out to a world that accepts us. 
He says, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Wow. He is prophesying. He is seeing that the apostles and Stephen are going to be delivered to courts, going to be flogged. And he said, you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak. I believe that is why we don't share Jesus to people around us. It's because we're so amped up. We're so anxious. We are not confident that what's going to come out of our mouth is going to be enough. Well, let me tell you something. It's not up to you anyway. That's why he said, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. How are we full of the Holy Spirit? We honor Jesus in our hearts. We honor Jesus in our hearts. Then when the opportunity comes, we open our mouth. This is what ordinary Stephen did. He was full of it. And then he opened his mouth to let it out. And this is what happened. So what I'm not going to share with you is the entire dialogue that he had before the Sadducees. But essentially, he shared the entire gospel to them to the point where they couldn't even stand it anymore. That they decided to martyr him. All the way from the beginning where Abraham received the promise of God to the very point where he was saying to them that you murdered the Christ. All the way through, everything that they esteemed, their history, the Old Testament, the law, and how Jesus came to fulfill the law, it was all laid out before them. How on earth do you prepare for something like that? You don't. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and it came out of him to the point where they were grinding their teeth. And this is where we pick up in verse 54 on Acts chapter 7. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is awesome. When we decide to be Jesus to those people around us, man, and we open our mouth and we tell people about him, guess who is standing in heaven off his throne, there with you. He is. And he said, this is Stephen, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Talking about lose your life. Yeah, he saved his own, but ultimately, he saved millions. What I love about the Bible is that as we read through everything, there's opportunities to read and see 
God's strategy. That normally, and this is kind of what I see a lot, is that when it seems like something really bad happens, it's the catalyst for something tremendous to happen. You have no idea what comes out of you and how that's going to affect the strategy of God. Saul was right there approving of Stephen's execution. Saul became enraged. So we move on into chapter 8. And the heading says, Saul approved of his execution. So in verse 1, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried, buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering the house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Saul was enraged because of the witness of Stephen. What came out of him drove him to further persecute the church. And because of that, most importantly, as he was going to Damascus, because he was still enraged over Stephen, he met Jesus on the road. And then he met Ananias. We have no idea the kind of impact that we can have where God has planted us. The problem is we're so full of ourselves that we don't do anything about it. And that, my church, is where I have been. There is something that is in us that needs to be like Stephen. Ananias was his disciple. Rahab was a prostitute. Sinner. That's all of us. Stephen was a martyr. What needs to die in us? So we are not full of us anymore, but we're full of the Holy Spirit. What needs to die in us that when we are full of the Holy Spirit, he comes out of us? That's the question. If you're not a believer yet and you're sitting in here or watching online, being a follower of Jesus is not easy. I am not here to tell you that your life will be a bed of roses because it will not. But what I am here to tell you is we have the privilege and the honor to be part of God's family so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and that when it comes out of us, whether people want to receive the gospel or not, it is still powerful and it still makes a change. We all have something going on in our lives. It is so easy to get wrapped around the axle with the business of our life, with our own families, with our jobs, with school, with ministry. 
that we do not see the big picture. And I wrestle with this message, people, because I'm being transparent with you about me. And the last thing I want to do is get up here and say, you guys need to get out there and start preaching the word. Preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. You know, lay hands on the sick, do all that stuff. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to say, man, we're in this together. And it's time to fill this place. And it's time to get out there and be the light of the world because I don't know if this place will be around any longer depending on where things are headed. We have no idea how the world responds to the church in this day. We have no idea how the world will try to muzzle us because as God is moving, as we have seen, obstacles come. So we've got to get it in our hearts now to honor Jesus in our, Jesus in our hearts enough to when we get out there, he comes out of us. And in order to do that, we got we to start doing it now. We got to be less full of us, more full of the Holy Spirit. And we need to let it come out. Because when ordinary people are not full of themselves, but full of the Holy Spirit, then extraordinary things will come out of them. So how? How do we do that? Because as I said, it wasn't what Stephen did that I was drawn to when I started putting this message together. It was that phrase, full of wisdom, full of power, full of grace, full of the Holy Spirit that kept hitting me. And what God told me was this. He said, look at yourself in the recent months. You're supposed to lead the church. I put you in there as a pastor. Tell them. Tell them. What immediately came to me was 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. See, we fall on this lie that somehow we got to do something major for God to move through us, to be used by him, to be the light of the world. The answer is no. If you're in Christ, then something major already happened. Sometimes it's just, it's just turning your heart towards Jesus. Sometimes it's just making an adjustment because he already knows your heart. And so when I look at this, this is what would just slew me in my office. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Me being full of me needs to decrease because he's increasing. Humble yourself. What does that look like? For your life, I don't know. But for you and yourself, you know. What is it that you need to put down so that he can increase through you? The Lord goes on as he's talking to Solomon. He says, pray and seek my face. What do you got going on in the mornings? How do you start your day? You spend time on the word. I mean, we always talk about that in church, right? You gotta spend time more on the word. You gotta pray more. Yes, you do. But what has changed, and I believe God is saying to Solomon here is, as he's saying, seek my face to Solomon, he's like, he's like, 
it's not about the doing, it's about the relationship. It's about, are you getting closer to me? Are you drawing closer to me? Yes, I want you to spend time on the word, but it's not because I want you to check a box. It's because I want you to draw closer to me. Jeff, quit going to my word just for Sunday sermons. Come to my word because you want to spend more time with me. And he goes on and says, and turn from their wicked ways. Man, what has got you right now? What sin has you right now? What distraction has you right now? We all know what it is. There's something going on in your life that you need to turn away from. Repentance is such an important thing. You placing your job over your family? I've been there, trust me. What is it you need to turn away from and repent of? See, these are subtle things, man. These are big things. This is like what I talked about last series about how an extraordinary step is often very small and that small step is very big for God. And this is what he says, then, then I will hear from them and will give, forgive their sin and heal their land. See, that's what happens. When we turn to God, then he starts to move. And for all of us, I believe that there's something in us right now that we're full of, that we need to put aside so that we can be more full of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be the witnesses that Jesus has called us to be. It's not complicated. Man, I thought about sharing you my routine, but you know what, that's personal. But I will say this, that my daily routine includes something that's on a playlist, and maybe what I'll do is I'll share my, my worship playlist with you guys. You wanna know something, and, and last Sunday, you might've liked the song Mercy we sang last Sunday. Do you guys remember that song? That's, that's how God has changed me. I'm starting to see that the young people worship a whole lot differently than I did. And I'm watching them worship in this video for mercy. And of course, we sang the song last Sunday, but man, God is moving differently. The worship music that's out there, if you were to see my worship playlist, you probably would be like, whoa, I don't know if I like that kind of worship music, but guess what? It's what's reaching the young right now. It's why we have a youth ministry over here that's on fire for God. Maybe I will share my playlist because I want you guys to see that we've got, we've got to turn ourselves to God and we've got to be on board with how he is moving today because we are in the last days.